Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. Today we are delighted to be gathered here on this beautiful Sabbath day, uh, of course, helmed uh, by Bishop Jensen himself, the illustrious, the powerful, the mighty father of our ward. Uh, thank you for being here, Bishop Jensen. I'm going to turn the time over to you so that you can introduce our guest who's visiting us today um, as as a missionary. Um Elder Elder Thomas Bishop Jensen, if you want to do the introduction. So Elder Thomas is a worldwide traveler, it seems. Uh, longtime listener of the podcast. Um, and we've been back and forth a little bit in emails trying to set up the right time. Uh, and the stars finally aligned for this weekend. So we're all good to, to get going. And we're looking forward to hearing about his Mormon story. So um, before we get going, why don't you tell us why you chose Brother Thomas or Elder Thomas? Uh, so I listened to a lecture a while ago from uh, Terrence McKenna, I believe his name was. And in the story, he was telling, there's a story in Christianity um, about the apostles. And there was Apostle Thomas. And uh, he was out of the room one day and uh, Jesus Christ had come back and he had appeared to the other apostles. But, uh, Apostle Thomas wasn't there and uh, Jesus left and then Apostle Thomas came back and the other apostles like, man, you just missed him. Jesus was here. Like, and he was like, what? It's like bull crap. And they're like, no, man, Jesus was really here. Like, he's like, unless I am able to touch the wounds on his hands, uh, I will not believe that you guys saw Jesus. And so a little time passes, eventually Jesus comes back and appears to Apostle Thomas, and he lets him touch the wounds in his hands. And uh, and only the doubter got to uh, experience that. The, the only apostle that got to experience touching the wounds on Jesus' hands was the person who doubted the other ones. And so that just spoke to me a little bit and then it spoke to the guy I, I was listening to his talk is like uh you know it's okay to doubt and then some like good things can come from doubting even though it's a story in christianity but you can you know that's what stories are for you can kind of take your own experiences from it yeah i like that i've never put much thought into the doubting thomas story and it kind of i guess paints Jesus as a bit of an asshole being like, Oh, I like I'm back from the dead. I'm going to go see my friends. Oh, Tom just popped out for the bathroom. Oh, okay. Uh, well tell him I came back. <laughs> see you guys later. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know. Might want to hang around for a bit, but I do like that. story. I didn't mean to, you know, step on that no, and make it good. any less sincere or anything. That's just what, uh, that made me think of, you know, it's interesting. No. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, just in the in the talk I was listening to, it was like they kind of go a little bit comedic after that because because uh, the the guy giving the talk is like a, an atheist. He doesn't believe in any of that stuff, but he likes that story. Oh, okay. He's yeah. like he has nothing but scorn for all weird ideas except his own. That's what he says after that. So, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I like I like that story, and I like uh, I like that you picked Elder Elder Thomas for that. Um, you know, yeah. So I, tell 
sorry, can Go I ahead, just Bishop. jump in on this? They're like Christians and Mormons confuse the words doubt and curiosity all the time. I was thinking about mm-hmm. this just the other day is that when we say I had doubts in my faith, nobody has doubts. People have curiosity about their faith. That's what happens, mm-hmm. right? It's not like I was doubting the church. No, I was curious about polygamy. And then I mm-hmm. found out reasons why the church is not what it says it is. It's not like you don't hear people where they're like, I prayed a bunch and my prayers weren't answered. So it made me wonder if God actually cares about me. And I don't think he does. Like it's never stories about people who are really doubting. And because like when you doubt your decisions, it it's a place of you're, you're emotionally low. Like you're kind of depressed, right? When you're doubting, mm-hmm. it's, I made this career choice. It's not working out the way I thought it would be. Am I an idiot? Do I make bad choices? Does God actually care about me? Hmm. Nobody has doubts. They have curiosities. And the church will be like, doubt your doubts. I don't have doubts. I have curiosities about the Book of Mormon. I have curiosities about Joseph Smith, polygamy, Brigham Young, blacks and the priesthood. I was curious about all these things. And as I, I'm not seeing my audio come up here. In the way they they respond to a lot of it, it raises doubts. Like if you're just curious Mm -hmm. and asking questions and then the way they respond is either hostile or kind of, ah, don't worry about it. Then that's like, well, why, why won't they want to, why wouldn't they want to explain it or anything? Right. Sorry. I'm not seeing wavy lines come up on my recording track. When I talk, I, I, I have, I have your wavy lines. Don't okay. worry, Bishop. All right. Okay. Yeah. We're, okay. we're, we're getting the recording. Okay. And if not, this will be a hilarious episode with plenty <laughs> of dead air and uh, people will be like, Oh yeah. Elder Jackson doesn't care to edit this. Um, that's how, that's how little I care to edit this is that I will just let minutes of dead air <laughs> sit in this episode. If, uh, if that's what it takes. So fill us in. Um, were you born quote unquote in the covenant? Like, was this like from the beginning of your days was uh, Mormonism a thing you did? Yeah. So both my mom and dad were married in a temple. Uh, I can't remember which temple off the top of my head. So I don't really talk to them about Mormon stuff really like, but, uh, they were married in the temple. They had three kids. So me, my brother, and my sister. My sister and I aren't really active anymore. I guess we're considered inactive on their rosters because we've never actually uh, gotten our records removed or officially, I don't think. So uh, my brother still goes. He goes to a singles ward in Utah. Um, and then my mom and dad still go. But they still, like, call me and my sister like every week you know see how us and our kids are doing they still love us they haven't um what's the word like shunned us or anything or you know tried to get us and they've never really tried to get us to come back you know they'll ask every once in a while he's like have you ever like thought about going i can't remember the last time they asked me to if i was going to go back to church or anything but it's just at least for our family, I'm fortunate enough that you know my parents are like that. I know others aren't the same way where their parents are still in and then you don't go or you get out and uh, they basically cut you off. Yeah, we've, we've interviewed a few people who 
who it really is destructive to their relationship with their parents or their family or some of their friends. Um, but it sounds like you've been able to maintain kind of a healthy relationship with them. And we're going to get into that more. But first, I'm, like, we want to hear what was it like growing up in the church for you? Like how, how intensely involved uh, was your family? Uh, so my mom and dad always had callings, um, either like with the Relief Society or the bishopric. But, uh, you know, it's weird. Like I've had to pull most of this stuff from memory because uh, they let me stop going to church when I was like 14, 15. They're like, really? Hey, you... Yeah. So was, they, you know, they told me like, you know, you're old enough to make your own decisions now. If you don't want to go to church anymore. You don't have to. So I stopped, man. I was a 14, 15 year old kid, like Sunday, like at home by myself playing video games. It was mm -hmm. life. Like, so, but it might've been 15, 16. I was a little bit older, but, um, it, I still did get those, like, you know, going to primary and then, mm -hmm. The three hours i think the best part is like the scouting stuff back when they still did the fun scouting mm -hmm. stuff yeah like, um utah was probably the best scouting stuff that i remember we'd go camping every year um when we didn't go camping they'd take us out to like a gun range or something and uh teach us taught us how to shoot um, like I'm not a particular gun lover, but shooting guns is fun. Like I don't own any guns mm -hmm. myself or anything, but you know, we had fun doing it. We, we were safe and everything. Uh, no one ever got hurt, mm -hmm. but yeah, that was, those were the best times. If I guess you consider in the church, even though it's like the boy scouts of America, I don't know how right all that. Cause the organizations are kind of intermingled. Like, super intermingled yeah. or they were when you know when you were growing up and i guess when when we were growing up in canada we have the scouts canada that we that we were involved with yeah and so it sounds like it sounds like you had a pretty good time with like the young men's and stuff so when you stopped attending did you keep going to some of the young men's activities and some of the camps or were you just kind of like eh, i'm done with the Sorry. like the whole thing yeah, I wouldn't go to church on Sunday, but I'd still show mm -hmm. up for the fun stuff. Like it's like, oh, you're right. gonna be doing doing that that day? Yeah, I'll show up. Like, but um, so and then you, I still have a. Oh, sorry. Like, where were you? Where were you, I know you mentioned you moved around a lot, right? So where were you living at this time? This was in Utah. Yeah, so we lived probably the longest in one stint, uh, four years in Utah, and this was when I was in junior high, so like twelve or uh, fourth to the end of seventh grade. And then I started eighth grade when we moved to our next, uh, when my dad moved to his next duty station. Oh, okay. But, so where, where was that? Where did, where'd your dad get? So we, oh, his next duty station Yeah, was, uh, in Korea. Like, so, so he had been over there for a year already. Yeah. And then he had to extend. And, uh, so, because he extended it, he was allowed to bring his family over there, like the PCS with him. So we had been living 
a year already without him. Like he was over there in Korea by himself, and then he got. We were able to move over there with him eventually. So were you? Um, were you? Like when you talk about going to scout camps and stuff like that, I'm just trying to get the timeline here. You're in Utah from grade four to grade seven, then you were in Korea. Yeah. From grade seven to what grade? To. I was in Korea for eighth and ninth grade. And then where? So then, when you're like shooting guns and deciding to stop going to church, are you in Korea or or where? Where yeah. Uh. In Texas, okay. was actually when uh, that was the last time I went to oh, church. Okay. When I was part of the family, I would, I did go to church. The last time I went to church of my own free will, I was in mm-hmm. basic training because if you didn't go to church on Sundays, you were cleaning the barracks. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. it's like you either go to church or you you clean, <laughs> like you clean the latrine or the the barracks room or something, right. where you go to the kitchens and help the kp duty guys clean up so when you like when you were doing these fun scouting activities that was all in texas yes or no that was all in utah okay when you're about 12 or so and then and then you stopped going when you were in korea and then when you Uh, stopped going after korea we were in okay had been in texas for one or two years yeah and then that's when i stopped going so and my sister had been not going for a while already so she was, was like the first one to stop going what was the church like in texas like did they try and bring you back in or did were they just like okay see you later another one bites the dust or uh for the most part there was this one uh girl that hung out we hung out all the time and she to yeah. ask you know if i was coming back it's like and yeah, no, i'm just not interested mm-hmm. but and I want to know, like, was it because I know for a lot of kids when they when they leave the church for a lot of young people, it's kind of like, well, it's boring. Like it church is lame. Why would I want to why would I want to go? So was it that for you or did it have something to do with social issues or something to do with like truth claims? Like how much did you how much did you really like process I am actively leaving the church right now versus how much of it was just like church is boring. Like why would I want to do that on a weekend? I think for me, it was a little bit of everything. Like I never really think had a testimony. A lot of the stuff I had heard even as a kid didn't make sense to me, but I ran with it anyway, just because that's what all the adults want you to do. So like, I'm not one to like make waves or cause trouble for most of my life. Like, so it's like, oh, they want me to do this thing, I'll do it, and then like, I won't. Re- I don't really believe or care though. And as long as it's not hurting anyone, at least that I know of. But so, and then another thing was, yeah, church is boring. Like for, yeah. for me, at least it was. Uh, yeah. Especially when you like. Yeah, I've been to so many, went to so many different wards growing up just because of my dad's job having to move around. But I am still friends to this day with someone I met in the Utah ward. Mm. Um, 
So like he's still in the church, him and his wife are in the church, but you know, we play video games every weekend. Like we still talk on the regular and we just have other stuff to talk about, you know. We don't same with my parents, like we don't just don't talk about church stuff. We talk about family is like, hey, how's that uh medical thing working out? Like, you know. So I I've Does, does it feel like other there's... people's Oh sorry. Hmm? Does it I ever just, feel like, like there's an elephant in the room when you're talking to your parents with church, or is it really just something you guys are past? I don't really feel like there's an elephant in the room. Like, it's just like they don't bring it up, I don't bring it up, and you know we just talk about they want to see pictures of their grandson and you know like how he's doing. Uh, you know they want to know how me and my wife are doing like just general like family stuff right right so i'm like hearing other people's stories it make does make me feel grateful and fortunate to have the parents i have they don't seem to even though i know they're they still go to church and my dad's a really i would say a hardcore believer but he has a very calm disposition about things he doesn't like get angry or lose his mind or anything about something. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I I think I, I get what you mean. So it sounds like your relationships are pretty well adjusted. So I'm curious then what your relationship is with ex Mormonism, because we, we started this show as like a, a way for us to get over Mormonism, like to get beyond uh, the like the the angry and the frustration and just like be able to live our lives like normal human beings and so tell us a little bit about what your relationship is uh, with with having left the church with ex mormonism and kind of that whole territory so <clears throat> even though growing up I didn't necessarily believe in a lot of the stuff, I still, you know, you get those guilt messages about pornography and masturbation. And I was, you know, a young kid. And I was doing these things. And just every Sunday you hear about, like, basically, oh, you're a sinner. And like, so I always had guilt growing up for those reasons and other and other things. And then it, because of things that happened with my brother and sister and my parents' reaction to it because of, you know, their beliefs in the church, it impressed upon me. It's like, oh, I can't be in a relationship until, like, I'm out of the house. Like, because if anything happens, then it's just like... You know, because I hadn't done anything yet. I'd even been on a date. You know, the only time I'd talk to girls if they were asking me answers to the test or something in school. Like, so I didn't do, like, I pretty much, like, shunned women out of my life. Like, if I didn't have to talk to them um, on, like, a scholastic setting or, like, uh, questions about, stuff i didn't really talk to them at all and that was 
a direct result is because I had these thoughts and ideas like, you know, like, oh, if I do anything, it's going to lead to this and I'm going to not. Right. And it's not necessarily that, like, I would be this great sinner, but I would disappoint my parents. Mm. And so, and I, you know, my sister had already, I guess, disappointed them. And then my brother at a later point had disappointed them. But I think, you know, now we've, everyone's kind of moved past that. Everyone still talks to each other. But in those moments, it was pretty, you know, some yelling, some name calling, like, but I think we're all in a healthy place now. But just, you know, seeing that growing up. And then another thing happened when I was in Korea. Uh, I was at. So they had a like weekend youth trip to the Seoul Temple when I was in Korea. Uh, so the different wards around Korea, the uh, English wards, because they have Korean and English wards. So all the English speaking wards went up to the Seoul Temple for like a youth weekend. Like Friday, uh, we went around the town, around Seoul, like, you know, touring Saturday. I can't remember what it was during the day, but at night there was a ch- would be a church dance, like a youth dance, and then Sunday we'd all get up, go to the temple, do baptisms for the dead, and then that'd be it. Everyone would go back back home. And so at the at the dance, uh, I had asked the girl to dance. I was probably thirteen or fourteen. This is around two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And I don't know what came over me, but during the dance, I had, I started touching her breast. Hmm. Like, and so basically, like in today's terms, it'd be sexual assault. I guess I can't go any way around that. And then after the dance, she sat at a table. Like after that song we were dancing to ended, she sat at a table and started crying. And it just this wave of guilt and shame and fear came over me. And I'm sorry to say at this point, like the fear was kind of for my myself. Like, oh, like, God, what's going to happen to me? Like, what did I just do? Why did I do that? And then so I just I left the dance and I went back to the boys uh, dorm room or whatever. They had all the bunk beds set up for us. And I just laid in bed and cried for like the next hour. Hmm. And I was, I was waiting for like someone to, you know, someone like the chaperones at the dance or something. Cause I'm pretty sure somebody had to have seen it or if she told somebody, but nobody ever came. The other boys eventually started coming back from the dance. Uh, I heard a couple of them mentioning how she was crying and were asking what happened you know, I didn't say anything. I just laid in bed all night, couldn't sleep. And then the next day we got up and did baptisms for the dead. And it was like nothing happened. Like I, and that impacted me pretty hard. 
And that was one of the reasons I just stayed away from women from that. Cause like I did this thing and nothing, absolutely nothing happened to me. And there was supposed to be all these members of the church that have, you know, the power of discernment or, you know, I was expecting some kind of retribution for that, mm. but nothing happened. Like, you know, you're and it's just like, oh, if no one else is going to um, stop me, like, I have to be the one that takes control of this. And so... So she never told anybody? And she that's the thing. I don't, know if she, I don't know if she did. And if she did, if she got those answers that a lot of women do, it's like, oh, boys will be boys. Um, wow. You know, like... So she did report it. You never found out. I almost, I never found out. No one ever talked to me about anything. And then if, uh, and I almost feel if she did report it, she probably got more stuff put on her. Mm -hmm. Like if they probably asked her, well, what did you do to make them do that? Yeah. Or something like so that's just something. And then I had, you know, I lived my life. I kept moot like, you know, one day at a time. And I had completely forgot about this until one night uh, my wife and I were in bed sleeping and I had a nightmare about it and it all came like rushing back to me. And I just woke up. I actually like had so much guilt that I, I posted a story on the ex-Mormon subreddit and that's how like I got on the ex-Mormon subreddit was like trying to find the girl so I could apologize to her because yeah. I couldn't remember her name. And, um, but, uh, somebody responded to my post that, um, was a, or they work with, like sexual assault cases and they say it's probably not a good idea for you to contact her mm -hmm. if she wants to contact you that's one thing but if you contact her and it's still something of a like a traumatic event for her and it was mm -hmm. all it's going to do is bring it back up for her so mm. you need to like the poster or commenter said like you know i need to do stuff to work on me and my feelings and let her work through her stuff so hmm. if she contacts me one day um and i get to can get to apologize then great but uh, until that happens like just work on your my own stuff myself pretty much so hmm. and then that so that was another thing like and then in going to church like and all the seeing all these people it's like can these um you know that elders and the bishopric they're supposed to have these powers of discernment like but no one ever did anything to me and and, and that in my mind that was a huge like i guess red flag it's like oh they didn't like how are they, like if they can't stop me or do anything about me when i'm just a kid like what else like are they not doing right but, 
Uh, yeah. So wow. After I posted that on the ex Mormon subreddit, I just saw all the other stuff like the C, like people talking about the CES letter. So I never really had anything like going up against Mormonism, I guess. Hmm. Like personally, and it, it wasn't until going on there and then reading all the stuff like about like how the church like doesn't make sense and then listening to you guys too and then just kind of figuring out that uh, Joseph Smith was a phony most likely and for most of it and then the whole polygamy thing just like everyone else figures that stuff out hmm so So sorry if that got a little heavy no that we uh Wow, appreciate the the candid delivery uh, and the willingness to be vulnerable about that. Um, so it sounds like you had uh, basically your testimony of the actual church, like the current church kind of fell apart based on that experience. Yeah, and I would then, say so. Like any testimony I did have probably after that. Yeah went away and it was funny because the next day at the like the baptisms for the dead mm-hmm. the guy that was uh dunking us into the pool he just seemed kind of in a hurry about it he's like come on we got to get through these like uh i don't know it's just kind of uh you know i was already feeling off and then the his like way of doing like just rapidly going through the whole spiel and then dunking you super quick mm-hmm. and then doing that four times for however many, however many names you were supposed to be doing and then moving on to the next one it was like an assembly line yeah kind of feel yeah yeah i i've had a similar experience at the rexburg temple we went as like an fhe group and uh yeah they kind of rush you along and not in like a Hey, you know, we got to like save these souls kind of let's hurry. It's like, Hey, listen, yeah. like lasagna's in the oven right now. I got to get <laughs> home. Like I'm starving. So let's, let's hurry this thing up. Right. Like it yeah. kind of ruins the experience that you think it should be. And so it's interesting to me that you left the church. Like you stopped going to church a long time ago and then it took mm-hmm. a while before then you kind of dredge up your past and you know, and, and kind of seek out, um, the, the ex Mormon subreddit and then kind of start realizing, you know, Oh, not only is church boring, it's also not true. Right. Yeah. Um, what was, I want to hear like, what was that experience like? Because you hadn't gone in years. Was there ever in the back of your head during those years that, Oh, maybe like, maybe it is true. And then you find the ex-Mormon subreddit and you start reading all this stuff and you're like, oh, okay, like it's not. Like, I don't, like I never really had a hardcore testimony even growing up because I had like moving, being able to move around um, to a lot of different places. You meet uh different people and they come from different faiths and other backgrounds and you just contrast and compare and it's like why do some people do this and other people do this and you're just so I never really because I was able to absorb so many different things I think 
and I wasn't isolated to that. You know, a lot of Mormon families, it's like that's all they grow up with. It's like that's all they know is other Mormons. All they grow up with is the Mormon church. But because most of the time we were living on military bases, you know, they're Christian families there, Catholic families, Jewish families, like you, and you meet their kids in the, when you go to school. And so you're able to pick up all these different views of the world. And then, and then some of the stories just growing up when I was a kid, like the whole Noah's Ark, even as a kid listening to that, it's like, wait, so he flooded the world and he only had two of each animal. That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Like you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't reach populate, like just the population of animals you, today with only the two and all the different, and then it doesn't account for all the different species yeah. in the world. And on top of that, that would have to be a really big boat, bigger than the one they describe in the book. Like, yeah. with how many different animals there are, even if it's just two of each one. And then I think on when you guys were the podcast, you guys talking about the, um, what's it called? Uh, like the submarine things? What are oh, they called? Oh, yeah. The barges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The barges. Yeah, it's like, where does the shit go? Like, yeah. I, even as a kid, I had that question. Like, yeah. Like, what are they going like, to do with all the? Poop? You were a smarter kid than me. I didn't. I didn't think about that at all. I, I was think, like, oh, it's a miracle. Like, I can't even remember a teacher, a seminary teacher, or my parents being like, "That's interesting." Hey, what do you think they did with all the waste? Oh well, <laughs> praise praise God, miracles happened. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting thought. Hey, ha ha ha. Um, I remember, I remember one time I was in primary. So my mom and I, I can't remember the show too much, but we used to watch. I don't know if you guys ever watched the Highlander show, like in the nineties. Yes, my and dad. So, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember in primary they were talking about Jesus, and he mm-hmm. came back, and it's like, and so now he's immortal, and I was like, wait. He's immortal, so if like I if I cut his yeah, so if yeah. I cut his head off, I could absorb all his power. Yeah, and the primary teacher was just like, "What the heck did you just like?" She didn't say anything. Just the look on her face was like, "What did you just say?" Like, you said that in primary. Yeah, like cause, that's amazing. You know, I was just joking around, but everyone else was just like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said he was going to cut Jesus's head off!" Like, oh, I was like, I was it was a joke. <laughs> Could you imagine if that's what happened when Nephi cut off Laban's head? He absorbed oh, yeah. all his powers. Like it would make for a better book. Like it would Highlander make for a better book. Was I love that movie, like the original one, in yeah. terms of just its sheer over-the-top '80s action movie. So that, like, yeah, in, I haven't seen it in a while. In the yeah. making, you know how there's always sparks flying when they when they clash swords. So they had the, the swords attached to car batteries. Really? Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> like, That's crazy. <laughs> to get the Legendary. sparks. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that movie is just we should extreme. We should produce a Book of Mormon like miniseries. Right? Highlander like, crossover? Yeah, yeah. Highlander crossover. Make it so, like just full – 
Max 80s action movie style, like over the top. We're going to, you know how like right now Mormons are trying to lean away from the like weirdness. We're going to lean further into it. We're going to add like crazy, crazy things. That would be amazing. I'd watch that. Like, why not? Just go for it. Like embrace the weirdness, right? Like there's a lot of things to Western people that seem really, really weird about Hinduism right? Like the multiple mm-hmm. gods and the, and the avatars and the way they look, but they just like, I work with some Hindus and they just go full in on it. Like they love it. So let's yeah. just get full on. Like, yeah, cut this guy's head off, put on his clothes, uh, electrically shocked my brothers when they wouldn't build my boat for me. <laughs> do you like, do you, I was watching game of Thrones. This actually made me think about Nephi's ship. Just as an aside here. Um, have you guys seen Game of Thrones? Yeah. Right. Yes. So, so you know when Sandor Clegane joins like that commune and they're building a, they're building like a little sept or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 So I just watched that episode last night, and you look at everything that's going on. Like there's the nail making guy and the plank making guy and the log making guy and the guy cutting down trees and and the women making harvesting vegetables and making dinner and like. You've got this whole town just to build a building. Like, where's the town that Nephi had to build his boat? Like, it's showing all this stuff that needs to go on just to build, like, a log cabin church. And and I know this has been covered in, in Mormon expression, but it's just like, here was a real example in popular culture of all the industry you need just to make a building, right? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, getting off topic here, but yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. Like all the industry you need just to do simple things. Like we didn't, you know, if you don't have the infrastructure we do today, mm-hmm. like going back to the the time they're supposed to live in, where they don't have factories mass producing stuff. Mm-hmm. How are they getting the wood, shaping the wood, putting the wood together? and making sure it's waterproof like it's not gonna the boat's not gonna leak leak yeah and just all this stuff that you have to know and be able to do and it it's it like that you couldn't do it mm-hmm. especially for a boat yeah. the size they were building like yeah yeah and so you actually thought of these things as uh, as a kid or a few of these things, especially with the Noah's Ark example, example you gave. Um, yeah. So you're kind of on your way out way earlier than most of us, I think. Uh, Cause I, uh, I ate it all up till at least I was 18. I was eating it all up and uh, just kind of was like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for real. You kind of figured that out. And then you got brought into the ex-Mormonism a little bit later, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, and uh, and that's when you started doing these deep dives. Is there anything in, like, in this post-Mormon space that you were, like, really uh, surprised to learn? Maybe, like, church history or something like that? Something that you were like, oh, like, it, like, that, like put the light bulb on in your head, like, it's way worse than I thought kind of thing. I think for me, 
the surprising thing, I guess, is the some of the violent stuff, like the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Like, you never hear about that, definitely, growing no. up in the church. So, and then, you know, because you grow up in the church, and it's like, oh, we're, we're the the nice, good, friendly Mormon, like, religion. Like, the South Park episode, it's like, you know, it's like, ah, like, I'm, I'm going to beat you up. It's like, oh, okay, if, if you have to, like, go right. ahead. Like, but, you know, and then you read about that uh, with Brigham Young and then trying to use the Paiutes, I think it was, to yeah. murder this wagon train. Like, so that was surprising. The amount of wives Joseph Smith had, like, yeah. that was surprising. And then, um, I think, uh, have you guys ever watched Brother Jake on YouTube? No. Uh, he, no. Uh, he's got a lot of great videos. He's uh, ex-Mormon. He stopped making videos because I think he's he he made those videos the kind of same way you guys are doing this podcast. Um, probably as like a catharsis. So he posted videos for a long time and then he stopped. But you guys should definitely check them out. They're pretty funny. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you guys should definitely stop. Uh. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah, guys okay, brother keep Jake. doing this as long as, yeah, Brother Jake on YouTube, his channel. I'll, I'll check that out. But, I mean, as long as you, I'll keep listening as long as you guys keep making it, so. You know, while you're you're mentioning the violence in Mountain Meadows, um I remember reading about Mountain Meadows in a in an Enzyme article, and I um, so I just Googled Mountain Meadows LDS Enzyme. It was in a September two thousand and seven Enzyme. So I read about this while I was a missionary. And I'm just kind of scanning through it, and it seems um, relatively factual in terms of the, you know it's it's less propaganda ish compared to a lot of other apologetic info that the the church puts out. And I remember reading this and kind of being like, oh, man, that's pretty messed up. Well, glad the church is true today and men are weak and blah, blah, blah. You know, telling myself okay. the usual apologetics. Um, but it, I know, like, you go on the, the ex-Mormon subreddit, I'd say Mountain Meadows has weakened a lot of testimonies, if not been a thing that's pushed people right out the door. But this is just mm -hmm. proof that nobody reads the, the gosh darned enzyme. The church like publishes all did. this crap. Nobody when reads it kid. because it's like, yeah. <laughs> like there's no way you can say you've been a member of the church for this long and, and, and read all the info they put out and not heard about some of these things. Like they're not going to put mountain meadows in the January issue of, of the enzyme every year, but it's not you like they, they've continued to bury and suppress this stuff. I think I've read stuff about polygamy in the enzyme and it's like, the church publishes a lot of crap. Mormons just never read it. Oh, and yeah, definitely. And, I haven't and even I feel, read, read the Book of Mormon all the way through. So. That's like, right. <laughs> like, it, right. Like you have all these people who've barely read the book professing that it's the truest book. And how could Joseph Smith write such an amazing book? It's like, okay, first, tell me how many times you've read the book. Like, tell really, me, like, uh, yeah, tell me how many times you've made it past the first 50 pages or whenever Second Nephi starts, right? Like, Okay, well, but yeah, but it, I promise it's an amazing book. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, some scholar yeah. at BYU told me about chiasmus, so I know the book is true. Like, that's just <laughs> classic Mormonism is like, own a bunch of books, put them on your shelf, and never, ever, ever read them. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're running up to the end of the end of the hour here, brothers and sisters, uh, elder, elder Thomas, do you have any, any final thoughts, anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, anything you think it's important to share before we hop off here? Um, you know, I can't really think of anything. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate you guys uh, for letting me come on and uh, just talk. So yeah, well, I hope we it wasn't appreciate too you. Bad or boring or no, anything. no, no. That's the thing. I think sharing our experiences and sharing the kind of diversity of experiences that people have within the church and leaving the church is really important because somebody's going to be able to relate specifically to your story and say, Oh, like I had a similar experience. Like I, I get what elder Thomas was talking about. Um, and I think, I think that's the yeah, important thing. I feel like I've had an opposite of ex like experience. Most other people have where some, something was done to them or mm -hmm. uh, they were asking questions about this or that and they were met with uh, hostility or uh, they weren't met with any compassion or empathy and so they left where it's like I never really had a hard time with the church like m most of it came from myself I guess hmm. it's like I put it on yeah. myself growing yeah. up but you know most of the scout leaders I had were awesome most of the bishops I had were awesome the bishop I had in Korea was I guess there is one story I could tell like so like I said I you know I was a young kid I watched uh, pornography and at one point there was another family uh, they had to leave for work so their kids were staying with us and my dad, uh, you know, I didn't know how to delete history, Google history back then, but he figured out, like, and I had used his laptop because it was the only computer in the building or in our house. And uh, so he found it, like, and then they thought it was the other kids, like, Oof. from the other family. And so I had to come out and say, like, no, it, it, it was me. Like, I was the one that was watching that stuff. And then, so I had to go talk to the bishop uh, on Sunday, and he was like the chillest about it. He's like, hmm. "Yeah, man, don't worry about it. Like, do you feel bad?" I was like, uh, "Yeah." I was like, "Are you gonna do it again?" No, like you know, you say no, but you're like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know." It's like, "Well, then, all that's all there is to it, man." It's like, "All right, I'll see you out there." Like, that was so, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was expecting like, well, you got to read the what was the the forgiveness book? Miracle, seen oh, some miracle other, of yeah, the miracle of forgiveness. I've never had to read it, but I've seen seen other people that have had to read it. 
And I never yeah. really, I never knew that like you had to read it because you did something super bad. But and then I didn't find that out until uh, going through the ex Mormon subreddit scene, and I was like, yeah. oh man, like I remember seeing that that guy read reading that book or something. I don't, so, because you had to read it to like get um, the like the ability to take the sacrament and stuff back again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some people, depending on the bishop, right? It's leadership yeah. roulette. Yeah. Yeah. It's dumb. That's. Um, do you know it is roulette, and do you know what? Like it, it can be handled very well. That in, in a way. Like I think that you experience where you just kind of are able to get on with your life, and then um, it gets it also gets handled in ways that really becomes damaging long term. Um, yeah. I work I work with somebody who knows quite a few Mormons, and he was talking to me kind of after work, saying, "You know what? Mormons are good people, Andrew. Like I know you don't go to church anymore, but you can't deny like Mormons are good people." And um, I just started telling him about the sex abuse cases in the church. And I was like, I can see where you'd say like, yeah, I can see how Mormons are good people, but let me tell you what goes on behind closed doors. Like the stage is set for abuse. Let me tell you what an adult man asked me from the age of 12 to 18. Um, and the questions, and he was just absolutely gobsmacked. Then I started showing him the articles about the sex abuse cases, the Michael Resendez uh, articles in the AP news. And he's just, he's still like, but the Mormons I know are good people. And I <laughs> the thing I said, and this is a question I've kind of been pondering is, how do you separate Nazism from the Nazis? At one point, do you say like, no, I know some Nazis, they're good people. They've got some weird beliefs and everything, but like, they're good law-abiding citizens. And they just want to, you know, protect the motherland or fatherland or whatever. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. And that's kind of, and so he he ended up, talking to me the day after we had that conversation, he said, I was up till two in the morning because of what we talked about. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, reading all the shit that the LDS church did. Um, I was up till two in the morning. I couldn't stop reading about it. Um, but there, that Bishop roulette, the lack of, um, the lack of standardization and supervision in those interviews and oversight is it it creates the circumstances for grooming i know you mentioned a lot of positive experiences with boy scouts i had a lot of positive experiences with boy scouts as well i know you're talking about some of the friends you have from boy scouts that you're still friends with to this day some of the closest friendships that i have are the friendships i formed on scout camps when i was 12 13 14. um but this the stage was set all of us who were in the church, all of us who were in Boy Scouts, we all could have been abused. Yeah. And I know like it's kind of like I've I've been taking a hard look and thinking about that lately. Like, oh, my God, like how lucky was I? And the other thing is, like, there were stories of creeps and weirdos being young men's and, and scout leaders. There was this guy, you know, some of the older young men would joke about when I be when I turned 12. This guy who would like sleep naked in a tarp on, like he was a scout leader, he'd sleep naked in a tarp on scout camps. And it was like weird and they joked, but this guy was probably a pervert of some kind. Like what guy sleeps naked in a tarp with a bunch of 12 year olds? 
Yeah. That's the- like, like I was a young men's leader. I went on scout camp. I slept in a tent with the other leaders and I was fucking bundled. And it wasn't just because it was, was fall in Canada. It was because <laughs> like, I'm not going to risk yeah. anything happening on this camp that could possibly be construed as anything offside. Yeah, exactly. So to have a guy sleeping in a tarp naked, and then there were other... I had a young men's leader whose father was abusive, and my mom was always like... I was like, yeah, we're having an activity over at Leader's House, and my mom's like, who else is going? Like, don't be the last one to get picked up from there. Make sure you leave in a pair. I'm like, what's the big deal? She's like, his dad was a molester. So... Maybe he got molested. Maybe he's a molester too. But all these stories were in the in the background of, of growing up, and I remember there was a there was like a weird, less active guy who was like they called him as a scout leader. But he came over to our house and he was trying to get my younger brother to just go camping with just him. And my yeah. mom's like, "Hell no! Like that's not happening." So we were all in this environment that the church just turned a blind eye to. I, I, I don't know how we got here. I'm sorry guys, but no, it's all. I just like, I thank the Lord that none of that stuff happened to me, but we all knew it was oh, happening. Yeah. And it was just like the Catholic church. Like everybody was making jokes about priests. I can't remember people not making jokes about priests being rapists. And then, oh yeah, you know, and then, and then the, the Boston globe article came out 20 years ago and exposed what everybody knew. And we all knew it about Boy Scouts, and we all knew it about the LDS Church, and uh, that's my that's. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Thanks for giving us your <laughs> TED Talk, Bishop. Yeah, um, it's just uh, weird. You, like we're fortunate that nothing like that happened to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always tell people like I had a great time in the church, but a lot of like a lot of people don't and it, like it's just because i was fine doesn't meet, make it a healthy organization right mm-hmm. um yeah. and yeah mormons are some of like the nicest people on the planet and they're being totally taken advantage of you know left right and center and uh some of them are getting involved in the taking advantage of and uh it's awful but um with that i think we'll close this meeting if unless anybody has uh any any other uh final thoughts here we okay cool because uh, i'm starving I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> all right well we'll say these things in the name of our lord and savior the great root bear from a and w amen 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 <laughs>